Hello and welcome to B2B Better, the only podcast focused on helping early stage marketing teams do better than boring work. My name is Jason Bradwell and every week I sit down with whip smart marketing leaders to talk about what it takes to build a modern day strategy that delivers actual business results, not vanity metrics. Each episode is packed to the rafters with actionable insights and takeaways that you can put into practice today. Let me help you be better than boring. Here we go. So today on B2B Better, I'm very excited to be joined by Amit Bivas, who is the VP of Global Marketing over at Optimove. How are you doing? Good, good. Uh, thanks for having me on, uh, on this podcast. Um, love to share whatever I can. Absolutely. So uh, we were introduced through a mutual uh, friend, colleague of ours. You were on the Finite podcast with uh, Alex Price a couple of uh, months ago. Alex has been on B2B Better in the past, and I asked him, you know, uh, who should I interview next uh, on, on, a, on a subsequent episode? And your name came up. And I'm really looking forward to digging into a little bit with you, uh, Optimus Content Marketing Strategy, and in particular, a publication that you've created alongside um, the Optimus blog called uh, Post Funnel. But before we get a little bit into that, tell me what is your role at Optimus um, and, and, and what is Optimus? What, what, what do you guys do? Yeah, so Optimus is a, a leading player in the marketing technology space. Um, you know, to help uh, uh, the listeners and viewers put it in the right bucket. So uh, we're a Forrester leader in uh, cross-channel campaign management uh, and a Gartner challenger in multi-channel marketing hubs. Um, so pretty much uh, th- th- those are the spaces. The way that we position it and, and the way that I like to explain it is we're the patty and the burger. Um, you have the data as the, uh, as, the, as the lower bun and communication channels as the upper bun. And then we sit in the middle and do all that voodoo where we take all the data, consolidate it, put it in one place, uh, uh, make a lot of sense to it, make it accessible to the marketer. And then they will, bid, will, will build sorry segments uh, and start sending them out through multiple channels to customers. And then the AI starts doing the magic of understanding what has the highest impact on which customer segment and optimizing for maximum uh, customer lifetime value. Um, so it's a marketing technology in the, uh, uh, in the, in the CRM uh, retention uh, um, industry analysts put it in cross-channel campaign management. Um, that's us. Uh, we've been founded as a, as, as a service company back in 2009, um, did the transition into SaaS uh, in 2012. Um, and ever since uh, uh, we've been a, you know, a SaaS company, um, I joined the company um, back in 2012, so it's been almost a, a, a decade uh, with wow. the company. Started as a data analyst, uh, so I'm an industrial engineer. Started in the data and engineering side of things. Um, it was a small startup, 12, 13 people, and at some point I was offered to lead marketing. Just uh, you know, the, the the CEO and founder felt that I had that 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 charm in me, or what, or whatever. Um, it was, you know, before me, so there was the CEO himself and another uh, freelancer that did uh, uh, most of the marketing. I mean, the marketing that we had then, a website, pretty much, uh, and a very small one. Mm. Um, so I was, uh, um, you know, asked to lead it. Uh, took a couple of days to think about it. And as a young and a reckless uh, uh, um, <laughs> individual, uh, I said yes. And I assume that, that I'm doing something right since I'm, you know, manning the role for, for a while now. Um, and fast forward to today, you know, the team is uh, 20 people strong, uh, divided into four, um, four teams, uh, content, uh, uh, design and creative, 
product marketing and growth operations. Um, and we also have regional marketing uh, in our offices um, in New York, London, and so forth. Um, so that's pretty much me in a few seconds. I, I love that story. And uh, I would love to have another episode with you already at some point in the future to talk about that transition from a non-marketing role into a marketing role, especially one like, you know, I started out my career as a salesperson and then I kind of became a journalist and then through that, you know, started doing PR and then into marketing. So, you know, it was, it was not a kind of, I didn't study marketing and then go into a career in marketing, but still, you know, the, the, it was an adjacent vertical to the marketing career that I ultimately have now. Um, I mean, you were in data engineering. That is quite the move over into, into, into marketing communications. I mean, just, if we stay on it for one minute, you know, what was, what's kind of, what's something that you could, that you took from your previous life as a data engineer that you think served you well in, in now your kind of marketing career? A whole lot. So we need to put things in context that I was a data engineer and analyst in a company that did serve marketers, mm. right? So, so it was still a context of marketing. Um, what I took from it, damn, you know, today a marketing, a marketer is expected to be, you know, half Don Draper, half uh, uh, Albert Einstein, and half, I don't know what, uh, right? So in terms of all of the uh, analytical, uh, uh, let's call it the, the left side of the brain capabilities, so that was definitely something that, that, that was sharpened during my years as, as, as a data, uh, as a, not scientist, data engineer, analyst, um, you know, went through mountains over mountains of data, uh, queried a uh, SQL server um, data, you know, did all of the, uh, you know, was in the trenches of, of data analytics. So that's something, and, you know, so, so you take that data, put it into an Excel, start, you know, playing and fooling around with it, trying to derive insights. So that's something you also need um, as a marketer. So that's definitely something I've, I've taken. Um, and yeah, I think that, you know, the, the ability to understand how databases work today, you know, when, for example, when, when, when I go into meetings on, you know, um, data structures and where to put this table and, and this data isn't, uh, uh, um, isn't possible to, to extract that I say, don't fool me. I know my game. <laughs> so, so I know a lot about, you know, database architecture and stuff like that and how, you know, things should be uh, done on that. And so I can't be fooled um, around that. And, and that's also another tangent we, we can take there that, that that's also the way that I grew my team. Right. So, I wasn't, as I mentioned, I didn't study uh, marketing. Oh, I, I had some courses and, you know, and, and Dr. Google taught me a lot. But the idea was to be hands-on on each and every one of the marketing disciplines. And then when it reached certain critical mass, then I'd hire someone, uh, um, you know, a professional in that, in that domain to uh, continue running that area. And then my being hands-on, let me understand, you know, the field, ask the right questions and be able to have that minimal knowledge to manage it um, both on a tactical and a strategic level. Mm. So that's kind of like how I also built and expand the, the, the team back then. But yeah, we took way too many tangents there. No, it's, it's, it's really interesting. As I said, I'd like to bring you back on at some point in the future and we can, or maybe do like a Twitter space or something where we can talk about this. Cause I come across a lot of marketers who did not study marketing formally um, or get any qualifications at a, at a university level and have fallen into the career and have, you know, tr are trying to get to your level, you know, they want to become the VPs and the CMOs of tomorrow. And I think, you know, your story in particular is very inspiring, but let's 
come back to what we're here to talk about, which is the content marketing that um, Optimove uh, deploy. Um, as I mentioned or alluded to in my introduction, you obviously have the, the blog, the Optimove blog, but you've also started a kind of adjacent media publication called Post Funnel. So talk me through your content marketing st strategy and specifically the distinction between the two. Yeah, so it all comes back um, to, to, you know, to, to, to my story with the company. So when I was offered to uh, run the marketing, um, again, there was one and a half people there, the CEO and, and another uh, freelancer. Um, so even back then, and even before uh, the founder founded the company, he was very strong with content. He would blog. He had a lot of thoughts and philosophy, philosophy, sorry, that, that, he, that, he, that he put down in, in writing. So kind of like um, that was the first thing that, that existed uh, um, in, in, in marketing back then, even before I joined, right? So I inherited, uh, quote off, quote off, um, a small website with a blog. It would publish once a month, but it was there. And then that was the first thing that kind of like um, when I joined in, it was easy to, you know, we're always looking for path of least resistance and highest impact. So that was the area that I can, you know, easily um, start scaling because it was in the DNA of the entire business, right? So um, we're a small company, 20 people, everyone contributed to the blog. I would get ideas from developers and from uh, analysts and, 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 you know, whomever was in the business and was able kind of like uh, uh, to grow the blog. Um, fast forward a few years um, when we started, you know, when the company started growing and we needed to start, you know, thinking on, on what's the next big bet uh, of marketing back then, probably around, I think it was 2017. Um, so, so, you know, we came to this problem, to this challenge of, of where's our next big bet, um, understanding that we have a very strong content foundation. Um, we generate a lot of good content. The numbers add up. Um, we got a lot of great anecdotal feedback. You know, you go to an event, people say, we love your blog. We're, we're, we're you know, we're subscribed to it. Um, the foundations are good. And, and also the, the indicators on the performance are, are, are really good. Not only the, the, the you know, the, the numbers, but also, you know, anecdotal feedback, which is always really good to hear. Um, so we came to this uh, kind of like uh, um, to this place on saying, okay, what's our next big bet? Um, we're good at content marketing. Okay, so how do you double down on content marketing? Um, so that was the question in the room back then was uh, the founder and my, the CEO and myself and, 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 our, and our content director uh, back in the day. So we took a few days to think about it. And then we had um, our, our content director back in, back in the day um, was an editor-in-chief in her past um, of a publication. So we thought about, we started, you know, juggling the idea of let's start our own publication. Um, and kind of like um, the idea was to have a thought leadership vehicle to have this kind of, um, let's call it, you know, hub or, 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 or hive where, you know, people would, would every, anyone in the industry would, would come into it, no strings attached, uh, uh, no big asks, you know, uh, um, we're, we're sharing our knowledge, bringing, you know, industry experts to share their knowledge, kind of like, uh, um, you know, having it out there. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's just sponsored by Optimum. That kind of relationship um, makes you, you know, it positions you as, 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 you know, 
um, the owner, right? So, um, you know, our, our space is CRM marketing. We started an effing publication. We own this shit, pardon my French, yeah. right? So, so that's that, that, those were the, the, the ideas out there. And then, you know, from there to uh, 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 launching it was probably three, four months. Um, we started wrapping up content, uh, uh, designing it. It's, it's a very simplistic design. No, pu- publication doesn't require a lot of design. We have our, 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 our designers in place that we're able to, you know, create all of the uh, uh, artwork for all of the um, articles and stuff. And, and we went live, I remember it was May 28th because it's also my birthday of probably 2018 or 17, I can't remember um, which of those years. And we started ramping up uh, uh, traffic. Um, and, you know, slow, when we begun, the relationship between Optimum and PostFunnel was, was very uh, vague. We didn't have any Optimum mentioning on uh, PostFunnel. Um, we just had it, you know, in, in the about us section and privacy uh, statement and whatnot. And then slowly but surely, when we gained kind of like a critical mass of visitors and return visitors, we started, you know, linking it a little back in to get that, um, you know, we own this, right? Um, so that's kind of like the uh, a romantic quote unquote off story behind, you know, uh, the beginning of Post Funnel. Um, going into kind of like um, more of the tactical side of things. So, you asked about the relationship between uh, a post funnel and the Optimum blog. So we're, the way we look at it, so Optimum blog, blog is more like a um, first person kind of like diary entry, right? We can write about anything that's related to the business. Um, I'd say probably 70, 80% of the content is relevant to CRM, but it's always in first person uh, of voice, different tone of voice, um, you know, different angle of, of, of covering and writing about the topic. And then post funnel is more third person authoritative kind of uh, um, um, media and uh, editorial standpoint. So it's very far from uh, the roundness of the blog and more of a professional kind of, um, of, of publication. Now, another very important thing uh, or differentiator between both is that and, and this is something that, that we didn't do in day one. This is something that, that you know, that, that an, an evolution of, um, of, of Post Funnel was that we understood that in order to broaden um, what we write about and the, you know, the circles of content that we can cover, we're not writing about CRM marketing. We're writing for CRM marketers, mm. right? And then that idea also further kind of like uh, um, created the distinction between the blog and post funnel. And then from that, and, and, and this notion came to us from the idea that post funnel end of the day, and this is where the, the business plug comes in, is supposed to be that place that brings uh, a back, no strings attached, um, anyone and everyone in the CRM marketing space. Um, now think about it, you're a vendor, you have a B2B site, vast majority of people won't come back to your site more than once or twice, right? You come in, you spec out the vendor, you're out. Either you, you know, you, you click on the call to action, you ask for a demo or, or you know, want to meet with sales, um, you're out of the site. If, um, if, if, if you don't want more information, then you might come back, you know, in, in a few months to, uh, to look into it. 
And if you're, you know, kind of like low in the funnel or in other functions, you also might subscribe to the blog and then your frequency of visit will be higher. But we were looking for something much higher, wanted a lot of touch points. So post funnel is exactly that, you know, you're a publication, we publish uh, uh, five magazine articles a, a week, another five uh, uh, news items a week. Um, that's a, a, a lot of content and people would, you know, uh, wouldn't do come in, you know, to, to keep, keep, you know, up with what's going on. So it became like that place that, 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 that you create more frequent engagement with your market, with your target market. Um, and, and again, we, uh, with time, and, and we also added different indicators to understand during this, you know, uh, a frequent uh, um, relationship with visitors on the website, we understand, you know, who, um, based on the content that they consume and other, you know, uh, um, tricks, uh, marketing tricks that we put in the website, how low are they in the funnel or how, you know, high their intent is to purchase uh, uh, something from us. And then we will kind of like, um, um, again, no strings attached. We will just start to uh, add some more calls to action um, to uh, uh, move that relationship from post funnel into optimum. But regardless, post funnels there, our commitment to the CRM community is to continue and you know create the content. Um, so I'll pause there because I, I, I put you know a lot of stuff uh, uh, on the table here and let you kind of like uh, um, uh, focus me on different areas that might be of interest. I would ask you: Is the post funnel uh, publication something that is entirely created by? kind of opt to move content marketers, or is it also something that you see contributions from the CRM community in order to, in order to input to it? Yeah. So the great question. And uh, the answer is um, let's not fool anyone. You know, the critical mass will come from um, um, people that opt to move um, and, and our external writers. Right. So um, by the way, that, that could be another interesting thing to speak about the, the, the team that runs this, but let's put that aside for a second. So we have, you know, our staff writer, we have our editor-in-chief in-house, uh, external writers, they would write probably 80% of the content. Mm -hmm. Ideation does come from the readership, from the subject matter experts at Optimove and, 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 and so forth. I mean, writers aren't subject matter experts. They know to take sometimes like very complex ideas or, or very kind of like uh, um, un raw ideas and raw materials and make them just, you know, weave them into beautiful content. Um, like journalists, your background is, 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 is journalism, you know, so journalists don't need to be, um, you know, subject matter experts or understand in, in, in every, every field. They need to know how to ask the right questions, how to, you know, do their research, and then put it together into one cohesive uh, article. So same goes for that. So ideation does come from the frontliners and from uh, our readership. Um, the writing itself, um, as I said, 80 plus percent is our writers. The rest of it is, you know, um, franchises such as, you know, uh, interviews or mm. contributed articles mm -hmm. and, and so on and so forth that are, you know, uh, uh, directly from people that are, you know, that's what they do. Yeah. And as you'd expect, you know, those are, you know, usually the, the most read kind of articles, you know, because um, the people like to listen to uh, uh, people that, that, you know, that have the, the same, you know, challenges as them and everything. We can write it, write about it, you know, as much as we want. Um, but it's always, you know, uh, always the better performing ones are, you know, the interviews and stuff like that. 
the reason I, the reason I asked the question is, you know, I come not from the SaaS B2B world. I come from like the enterprise B2B world and, um, uh, primarily predominantly services. And, um, I work from, I can't, I've worked in industries where kind of seeking kind of co-marketing opportunities with clients has been hard to come by for whatever reason. There is a commercial sensitivity there. They don't want to reveal the fact that they're working with XYZ vendors. Um, they've got brand sponsorships where people are paying for the rights for the association. So why would they give it to, to a vendor for free? And, you know, we've looked at content marketing as a means to kind of open a door to co-market with one another that, you know, previously has been closed. So where someone says, no, we won't do a press release or we won't do your kind of bread and butter case study, they will say yes to doing something like coming onto an unbranded podcast that is sponsored by brand um, to talk about the hot button topics of the day. And I'm curious, have you ever used PostFunnel as a means to you know, develop that kind of co-marketing relationship with a potential client through an interview or something like that, um, where they feel comfortable doing it because PostFunnel is kind of positioned somewhat separate to the Optimove brand and blog, whereas maybe they would feel a little bit more hesitant if it was like a more conventional press release or something like that. So 100%. Um, back in, you know, end of 2019, beginning of 2020, we did a pivot in our marketing or not a pivot, a, tran a transition into ABM, account-based marketing. And then at that point, we were thinking about what, how does PostFunnel play into that role? And so what we did with PostFunnel is A, the companies that we would cover and write about are by definition companies in our TAM, total addressable market, right? And then we also gave our sales team kind of like um, a menu of different uh, uh, asks they could have from the editorial team, um, which include interview with this, an article that we write about a certain individual or uh, uh, a professional individual or a company where we can also write that and then reach out to that company, say, hey, do you want to uh, respond to this before we uh, uh, air it? And always the context is, you know, is, is, is very well thought of in the tone of voice with uh, uh, the account executives based on the relationship with that brand. So 100%, we definitely use this as a vehicle. Um, probably less, this is like, okay, so, so, so I'll pause there for a second and say that the way I see marketing is uh, in, in SaaS B2B selling to enterprises is two major hats, one of them being lead generation and the other one being sales enablement. So this is these kind of practices are more on the side of sales enablement, right? Letting sales um, or helping sales kind of like warm up the relationship or helping them find a way in when they uh, um, have blockers or when they're not even able to, 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 to crack into a certain account. Um, when accounts go cold on them. So we also are able to use uh, uh, a lot of different approaches uh, uh, with the post funnel hat on in order to, um, to, to get back into conversations and, and, and so forth. So definitely, um, it aligns very well with our uh, uh, ABM approach um, because end of the day, you're looking at a closed list of, of accounts, right? And they're all tiered. So you also have a priority there. Um, so, yep. That's and crazy. I will be able to share all of the secrets because then our prospective clients might be mistakenly <laughs> or intentionally listening to this and then they'll understand what we might have or have done to them. So 
Yeah. No, I just think it's really interesting that you've developed this it kind of, you know, where maybe if you were asking a potential client or prospect to contribute to something that is seen as more owned by Optimove visibly, like, you know, the blog, for instance, um, or having it promoted across the Optimove social media channels, like, hey, here's this client talking about, you know, how great we are. You can open a door that maybe was closed previously by saying we have this independent entity that we are in control with, but it's from a positioning point of view for the CRM community, as you say, you know, um, and we would love for you to contribute to it. And then by extension, Optimove benefit from the halo effect that comes from the readership of, of the post final publication, because they associate then softly over time, because as you say, they keep coming back to the post-final blog um, over time because you're delivering so much value. They start drawing that distinction that, you know, Optimove has the the uh, the creds to bring in these amazing potential contributors to, to the post-final blog. Um, so I think that's really interesting. You talked a little bit about your kind of two um, success factors, lead gen, sales enablement. Um, can you dig into that a little bit more for me in terms of what is the ultimate goal for post funnel? How are you determining its success? So the success is determined. Um, so when, when we're looking at a, an ABM strategy, so and, and this reminds me about like a, a, a session that I led just about you know the transition from classical marketing to ABM. In classical marketing, uh, uh, um, the goal function is to maximize MQLs, right? Marketing qualified leads. When you're going to ABM you need to make sure as a foundation that there's a perfect alignment between sales and marketing. And then marketing just want to maximize the touch points per account. So that's the, the kind of like uh, uh, the goal function. And think about it. Post funnel is amazing for that, right? We have our technologies, our, our backend technology in place to understand who, which company reads our content, who did it convert into Optimum. So that's kind of like a, on the, on the, on the lead generation side, uh, right, so they started from being post funnel readers and then uh, uh, converted into Optimum subscribers or downloaded uh, our content from Optimum. So that's on the uh, more on the lead generation side, but even more so on the sales enablement side, it's touch points. Right, it's creating more touch points, creating more tools for sales or enablement uh, um, functions and mechanics for for sales to uh, 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 come into uh, um, to reach marketing. So. The idea is, and, and what we're currently uh, measuring as the main KPI is, touch, is, is TAM touch points. The amount of accounts we're able to touch and the average amount of touch points per account. Mm. And is that all being tracked through your own proprietary software or is that being used? I mean, how are you kind of keeping track, track of those touch points? So we, we use the same kind of uh, um, trackers for both uh, post funnel and Optimum. That's, by the way, the advantage of uh, owning it both. So if one converts on either, we can know, you know, that they're, they're who, who's the actual visitor. Um, our backbone system is uh, HubSpot. Um, we're, as marketing, we're um, fortunate enough to have uh, a marketing automation and CRM, the same system. So our sales also use HubSpot as CRM. And that's ideal just because you don't need an integration between sales and marketing in terms of their main kind of like uh, um, uh, uh, operation operating system. So um, that's the backbone. And we have a lot of things integrated into it, right? Um, so a lot of work with, uh, um, you know, um, Zapier to connect everything. Mm -hmm. But end of the day, you know, kind of like um, the backbone system is uh, um, HubSpot. 
Um, we, not, we have another um, ABM platform uh, that we're using. Um, again, for like a lot of uh, uh, tracking of the accounts visiting and the ability to personalize uh, content and, 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 and different website experiences for specific accounts or for different verticals. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty much our, our, our um, the, the big backbones. Obviously we have a crazy tech stack there, a marketing tech stack. Um, but that's also probably a topic for yet another, um, yeah, another episode. We, uh, we've got about six episodes lined up now, um, just in the, in the 25 minutes we've been talking. I mean, I'm a huge fan of HubSpot personally. Um, I use it as well in my, in my day-to-day job. And, um, it is a it is a wonderful platform for marketers, but increasingly sales as well. Um, you mentioned that you've got your sales team using it. Um, uh, I'm going to need to pick your brains on that. I've got I've got a few more questions, but keep staying on Optimove and and Post Funnel. You mentioned a little bit earlier about the team that's set up supporting it. The listeners of B2B Better are predominantly working in you know small yet growing teams where perhaps bandwidth and budget are somewhat restricted. They're listening to you speak and saying, you know what, actually, from a credibility point of view, and for all the reasons you've explained, launching a kind of side media publication adjacent to our blog could make sense for us. Talk us a little bit about how you are you know, facilitating the creation of the content. Talk a little bit about the team structure that's supporting the blog and post funnel and how you, re- how you avoid the risk of spreading your resources too thin across both. Yeah. So first and foremost, I'll, I'll make a, a statement here is that, you know, many people or, or many marketers um, or marketing executives do content marketing for the sake of doing content marketing, publishing content out there. Now, today we know that it doesn't impact SEO. On the contrary, it creates bad SEO if your content is good. Um, it creates huge damage to the brand because it, it, it reflects directly on, on your perception and so on and so forth. So if you don't have, you know, what to write about or an interesting angle on what you're doing and, you know, have the right people in place to weave that into good content, just don't. You're better off not doing nothing in the content marketing side of things. Don't do content marketing for the sake of doing content marketing. Do content marketing because you have what to, what to say and then you can also gain from the business benefits of, you know, this uh, marketing discipline, right? So, so, so that's first and foremost. Um, now, in terms of, so, so when we started this, we knew that we have the right people um, to, to, to run this operation and that we have a ton of ideas on what to write about and create value through content to our, uh, um, to our, to our you know, prospects. And that's where, that's the foundation that you need, right? If you don't have the right people, you won't be able to, uh, to wrap this up. If you don't have what to write about, you won't be able to round this up. So all of those uh, foundations are there, then you, you need to start planning it. Now, I get asked a lot about you know, uh, hiring uh, content talent. And many people are looking for hiring writers. Hiring writers is super important, but let's think out together, you uh, with the journalism background, who's the most important per- person on, on, you know, on, on, the, on the news desk, on, on, on any um, uh, media desk? The editor, right? So the first person you want to hire or you want to, you know, uh, uh, make sure that you have a good hire is the editor-in-chief. Now, they might know how to write, but you'll be surprised. A lot of editors don't necessarily know how to write. They know how to edit. That's a, a whole different discipline. Um, but they control the narrative. They, they, they are very aligned with the business KPIs. A writer 
is a writer and and, and don't get me wrong i'm not i'm not diluting the importance of the writer by no means um but the, the person you need to make sure you get the best uh, um hire that you can is the editor-in-chief the person that runs this whole uh, um this whole operation because they are a uh, um connected to the um to the business kpis and b they know how to control a narrative they've done it they, they understand you know how the business of a publication works right and then they can hire a, a writer so uh, back to our team so you know i was always looking for a very strong editor and um that function by job title is director of content so they are the editor-in-chief of both post funnel and you know kind of like the opt-in blog and they and 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 and, they, and that person hires you know under the relevant uh, uh um people so today under the director of content we have wait for this one staff writer <laughs> one very one, stressed out staff writer well, uh, hold on um a very talented uh, uh staff writer um one uh, uh managing editor to run kind of like uh, uh the, the 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 publication operations the editor-in-chief three people what i didn't mention here is the external writers right um so with a strong editor-in-chief and with a strong managing editor you're able to kind of like manage a, a an army quote unquote of, of external writers right um understand you know who does a better job who do you want to you know kind of like uh, um dial up the amount of content that they contribute for you dial down and i won't you know uh share the explicit uh prices and numbers but it's not it's definitely not my biggest uh, um uh line item in the marketing budget mm. right um so it doesn't take um you know a huge budget or ton of people it takes having the foundations the pe- what to write about and the right team that can take care of this having a strong editor in chief that knows how to run a, a publication and then they could you know kind of like build uh, everything and just to pause right there and talk a little bit about the managing editor super duper important function you'd be surprised how much operations there are in an editorial uh, uh um you know uh framework especially if you run a public publication and we publish you know uh, um 10 pieces of content a week um a whole lot of operations you need a very strong operational individual um to be there taking care of um of 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 you know of of just the pulse of this uh, um of this engine um yeah so that's the team it's really interesting it's actually a conversation i'm having in my own day job at the moment about the kind of finding the balance between in-house and external support right um and you know i i would set it up exactly the same way you would in that i would invest in talent internally who can guide the narrative and set the strategic direction of what it is that we're trying to go out and create and then outsource the creation of that under the guidance of those in-house people because you can when it comes to scalability right let's say post funnel continues to um uh uh perform very well and you want to grow it you're building the foundations and the frameworks to support that growth and you can just turn you can just turn on the tap and just keep finding great cost effective talent out there be it on twitter where i found a bunch of copywriters or services like upwork um or or whatever you can just continue to scale that up rest assured that that 
core talent that you need to make sure that PostFunnel remains a high quality, super relevant publication for your target market, people who, who, need, who are in the market for a CRM, remains true because you've invested in that, in that core group of internal talent. Yeah, and to that, I would say kind of like um, it's, it's not only um, in a content perspective, it's generally um, in marketing and across the entire business, right? You want to be very diligent and strategic about who you hire in-house and what do you kind of like uh, uh, fill the gap with, um, with, with, with outsource, uh, outsource vendors or, or freelancers or whatever. Um, as long as you have kind of like the captain's uh, and, and, and more of the, you know, the people that control the narrative, that uh, understand the best practices in-house, they're in good shape. Um, but again, it's, it's an approach. And I've seen many, um, and, and, and by the way, personally, what, what, I, what I used to do and still at, at certain areas are doing is, you know, bring uh, um, strong uh, um, outsource people to take care of, of certain areas. And once they grow to a, a, a critical mass, then hire someone to manage that area. Mm. Right. But that can also work uh, both ways. So, yes, you hire that person that doesn't necessarily need to work directly, but they can start managing um, the freelancers. Right. Um, but these are a few approaches. And, and I definitely when you're looking at it from a scale perspective, this is definitely a structure that can scale almost infinitely, because if you think of it, and this is me with my engineering hat um, as, as, as resources, right, resource management. So kind of like, um, you know, you can, you can grow it as much as you can, as long as, as, as the people that you have in-house are, you know, uh, uh, strong people that, that could manage those, those scales. But, but that's an easier problem to solve. Absolutely. I mean, I'm conscious that I sent you about maybe eight more questions that we haven't had the time to cover. So that's another eight good episodes, I think, between you and I. Um, but I'm conscious of time. I know you're very busy. I want to ask you two more questions before we go. The first being, what do you think is going to be the biggest change in how B2B companies market themselves over the next five years? Um, so I think that, you know, um, and, and again, I, I, I practice what I preach is that it's definitely going to go to a world of account-based marketing. Um, you know, we're seeing more and more um, great marketers out there. Um, and the problem is with more vendors out there and more marketers out there and everyone's doing marketing and sometimes it's good marketing and sometimes it's less good marketing. There's a whole lot of noise, mm. right? And the biggest challenge is to climb above that clutter, right? And you're, I think that one of the most effective ways of doing that is focus. So don't market to the world, market to a subset that's very relevant to you and do it by name. I want to sell to Acme. What's Acme's business challenge? How does my solution answer that challenge? And do it in that level of personalization, especially when we're talking about, and, and, and I am talking about enterprise sales, right? Um, I'm not talking about self-serve, SaaS, mm. um, those must go broader. But when you're selling to enterprises, you can't market broadly anymore. There's too much noise out there. You need to uh, uh, aim very accurately, um, and 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 you know, and 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 be very focused. And ABMs is that approach exactly right? We no longer can fish with a net. We need to fish with a pole. Yeah, especially I think over the pandemic, you know, where a lot of the kind of conventional B2B marketing channels 
in enterprise, things like trade shows and conferences have obviously been put on put on hold, which has forced a lot of these enterprise companies to evaluate how do we market ourselves. And they have obviously turned to digital and social to which any company can get started on straight away. You don't need to be signing a 50,000 euro check um, to have a trade show booth. You can just start posting on social media, running paid ads and and getting attention, which is, con- which is contributing to that noise that you're talking of. Um, figuring out ways to cut through that noise, be it account-based marketing, be it super and I'll use French here, shit hot creative, I think is another opportunity as well. Um, Super important uh, for B2B marketers over the next half decade. Final question for you, Amit. Um, Who do you think I should interview next on B2B Better? Wow. Um, Good question. And I know you listed it on, uh, um, on the questions that you sent me. And I know that we didn't reach none of them, but, but I didn't have a a lot of time to, to put thought on it. Um, into it, sorry. Um, I would recommend uh, um, a good friend of mine um, that um, has scaled marketing crazy. Um, that would be uh, Ron, um, CMO of AppsFlyer. Um, good friend of mine, very smart marketer, um, could definitely contribute a lot of knowledge and experience uh, to the audience of, of the podcast. Great. Well, I'll definitely be hitting you up for an introduction. Before I let you go, tell me, for any marketers who want to learn more from, from you or connect with you, where can they find you online? Are we all on LinkedIn? Um, hit me up on LinkedIn. Uh, happy to connect. Um, happy to answer any questions. Um, yeah. Great. I'll drop the link to, your, to your, um, your LinkedIn profile in the description of this episode. But otherwise, Amit, thank you so much for coming on to B2B Better today. Thanks for having me, Jason. Big pleasure. And uh, again, happy to answer any questions uh, the uh, audience might have. That's it for this episode of B2B Better. If you've enjoyed it, you can check out my previous episodes via the link in the description. Or if you fancy getting a nice hot steaming mug of B2B marketing advice on how to build an audience for your brand, you can sign up to my newsletter, the B2B Byte, which goes out every Monday. I'll drop the link to that also in the description of this episode. See you next time.